the Italian Wine Podcast is the community-driven platform for Italian wine geeks around the world. Support the show by donating at italianwinepodcast.com. Donate five or more euros and we'll send you a copy of our latest book, My Italian Grape Geek Journal, absolutely free. To get your free copy of My Italian Grape Geek Journal, click support us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. Grazie mille. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we'll learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today it's my great pleasure to travel to Umbria, the green heart of Italy, and to the town of Spoleto to meet my guest this morning, Paolo Dorso, computer programmer, web designer, qualified sommelier, wine writer, and author of Trebiano Spoletino, a book dedicated entirely to this unique Umbrian native white grape variety. Salve, Paolo. Thank you so much for being my guest today. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a real pleasure. Thanks. Well, it's a pleasure for me. You know, my, my good friend Alistair has told me a lot about you and of the good times he's had with you in Spoleto and how you expertly guided him, introduced him to not just the wines, but also the foods. So I'm looking forward to exploring this with you too. Now, firstly, for our listeners, in order to help them orient themselves, our listeners are located all around the world. So can you tell us where Spoleto is, what it's like, maybe something of its history? So we are in central Italy, so of course, southern Europe. And uh, we are, Spoleto, it's in the region of Umbria. It's also called the green heart of Italy. Because of its gentle weather, uh, here all the vegetations, all the plants are green all over the year. So right now, uh, all over the country, there is minus and we have plus 12. Oh, wow. Also in summer. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Also in summer, uh, the weather is never over 40 degrees. And consider then south of Italy, Sicily, Calabria, Apulia, it can reach 45, 48. But here the maximum is 40, but normally it's around 30, 32. So all the, it's a perfect environment for olives and for, uh, of course, grapes. So <laughs> we have wonderful uh, olive oil, extra virgin olive oil and excellent wine. Uh, historically, okay. Umbria uh, is a region famous for their red wines. Spoleto is just 15 minutes from the town of Montefalco, which is historically famous for producing Sagrantino, which is the most tannic wine in the world. And just to give um, our listeners an idea, uh, Sagrantino wines normally are about 16, 17% alcohol. So very full-bodied, strong (laughs) wines. Normally here, when people go to a wine tasting of Sagrantino, and then if they are stopped by the police, the police doesn't have um, to uh, to ask for an um, alcohol test. 
because the, all the lips uh, are painted because this, uh, this wine has so much tan in it. <laughs> it looks like lipstick. <laughs> but thanks God, this region is very uh, easy about uh, drinkers. Because imagine that in all over the region there are only three alcohol testers. Uh, also, the, so if if the if you drank too much and the police stops you, it's just your destiny. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad luck, it's just destiny. So um, also the region all over has less than one million uh, habitants. So it's not so highly populated. That's why also there are not uh, car accidents normally. How many people live in Spoleto? Spoleto is a small town uh, with about 30,000 habitants. Okay, it's quite small. Tell us a little bit about Spoleto. Spoleto uh, is a very cultural town. Uh, we have a famous uh, festival started around the 50s called the Festival dei Due Mondi, Festival of Two Worlds, where Giancarlo Menotti, which was a very famous uh, music composer, decided to move to Spoleto and to start this festival, because Spoleto has uh, six uh, uh, theaters, and there's a lot of places which are just ready to, <laughs> to organize a festival. Uh, so the people from Spoleto just uh, started to to live together with famous uh, artists, and I remember as a kid, always uh, I could hear music uh, from the windows of the streets where I was uh, having a walk. Uh, right now, culture all over the world is a bit uh, in decadence. So also this festival still exists, but it's not that famous like in the past. And Spoleto has also uh, a um, solid uh, food gastronomic tradition. Oh, I look forward to talking to you about that. <laughs> we'll talk about food a little bit later. Wonderful. Okay, okay. <laughs> Spoleto is um, an important historically, too. It's on the Via Flaminia, the Roman road. Yes. And it was important uh, during the time of the Lombards, the Longobardi, the Germanic invaders who came into Italy in the 6th century and established themselves almost over the entire Italian peninsula. So they were quite an important influence. And I know Spoleto had its own duchy. Yes, the, the duchy. Spoleto, around the, the year 900 and 1100, was the capital of a, of a very large country, which then became the uh, state of the church. So we, we had um, our, the borders of the, let's say, Duke Ducato, Duke of Spoleto, arrived to the seaside from both sides of the peninsula of Italy. And then, of course, the decadence arrived and um, Spoleto was, when there was the state of the church, Spoleto was the summer residence of the Pope. That's why we have a, um, a castle at the top of the hill of Spoleto, which was used, uh, which was built uh, for the Pope. And when the, um, the next generations of popes uh, decided to move out from Spoleto and uh, went to Castel Gandolfo in the southern part of Rome to spend summer there, then uh, this castle became a prison. So all the paintings, all the famous uh, stuff that were inside were, were ruined. And now uh, it's again uh, available for visitors. And so it's no more a prison, of course. And there is a beautiful museum. Also in Spoleto, there is a Roman house per, uh, which was found uh, around uh, 150 years uh, ago, which is perfectly conserved. And it was a, a house uh, of a doctor, so they found a lot of uh, tools uh, of uh, doctors. And you can see all the mosaics, all the water system is perfectly conserved, even better than Pompeii. 
and also these uh, Roman houses are accessible to visitors. We have um, uh, we have a lot of museums actually in, in Spoleto because, as I said, it's a very cultural town. And you can buy a Spoleto card, which is a card that allows you to to visit all the museums uh, whenever you want. So it's very comfortable. Oh my, that sounds really good. I'm I've not been to Spoleto myself, so I look forward to visiting and and to meeting you there. Oh, thanks. We are we are waiting with open arms here. <laughs> Great. Now, Paolo, tell me about yourself. Wine is clearly a passion. But it's not at present your full-time profession. Tell me about your background and what you do and how you fell in love with wine and with Trebbiano Spoletino. Being an Italian, wine is really important in our culture, in our society. And here we start uh, dealing with wine when we are kids. Uh, not because we <laughs> we buy bottles and we drank them hiding from our parents, <laughs> but actually when we are having meal with our family, uh, we see our parents, our grandfather, our relatives uh, drinking wine while eating. So nobody's getting drunk. This doesn't doesn't matter which uh, cultural level uh, is your family. Um, you will really never see your family or your relatives drunk uh, like other societies uh, have. Like, for example, my wife is from Poland. I lived in Poland for some time. It's a beautiful place. And there she told me like, yeah, I'm used to see my relatives getting drunk when they have meal uh, with vodka or with other alcoholics. Here, we drink wine as a celebration. And the kids start to drink wine, uh, of course, a little bit, just a, a sip when they are, for example, six years old, and the parents give the wine. So the perspective you have of wine is, is not something dangerous or forbidden, but it's something to celebrate together. Um, so here in Italy, it's very common when you are a teenager and you have your motorbike or your bicycle to go when it's weekend to some um, uh, vineyards to have wine tastings. Even when you are a teenager, you are not a wine expert. Just because it's accessible, the prices are really affordable. For example, a uh, uh, right now, a uh, wine tasting costs around uh, 10, 15 euro. It depends, of course, what kind of wine tasting, but it's really accessible to anybody. And you always get some bruschette, some roasted bread with olive oil or some uh, cold cuts together. So you never drink alone. You always eat something when you drink. So you never get drunk. And it's really something very, very deep in our, in our culture, in our, in our society. Not only in our, I know also in Spain, it's very similar for example, became curious because living in Spoleto, it means that you are surrounded by, by 1,200 vineyards, which are accessible uh, in a circle of 15 kilometers. <laughs> so when it's a weekend, you go with your friends, what, what do we do today? Oh, it's a beautiful sunny day. Let's go with motorbike nearby and then let's stop to some vineyard and let's discover their wines. Wow. And uh, the journey is <laughs> it's wonderful because you always learn something because you just, you don't only sit down and drink, but the producer brings you uh, to the cellars and talk and explain and you just uh, get more and more information and it's a never ending uh, journey to learning uh, how wine is produced and each producer has a vision. And you start uh, to to learn all the visions of these producers. It's really uh, it's really amazing. I'm, I'm, I feel so lucky that I was born uh, in this area because I could access to so many producers, so many wine events. Okay. 
also in Spoleto, we used, we used to have a very famous event called Vini nel Mondo, Wines in the World, uh, where every year uh, something like 3,000 producers were joining and uh, serving wine. So I could taste a lot of wines also from other regions without moving. And then when I, when I grew up, I had my, of course, driving license and I started to travel. Then we have we are very close to Tuscany. We are very close uh, to many other regions which produce uh, wines. So the journey is still going on. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, that's really, that's a really good overview of the importance and the naturalness of wine in Italian culture and life, that, that wine is just something that is that is part of life, it's part of meals, it's part of uh, enjoyment, it's what we, what we all enjoy and what we all love about Italian wine. <laughs> yes. Now, Paolo, let's, let's turn to your, your recently published book. Firstly, I'm really impressed. It's incredibly thorough, it's well-written, it's authoritative. You trace the history of this extraordinary grape, Trebbiano Spoletino, characteristics, the regulations, and then you give profiles of all the producers. And as you say, each producer has their own emphasis, their own priorities, their own philosophies. The design is very clear. The English translation is good. So a big bravo, really well done. It's an amazing book. Why did you write it? Why did you, how did this project come about? Thank you very much. The idea started because Umbria is famous uh, mostly for red wines. And we have uh, very good uh, very good wines. This uh, Sagrantino di OCG, one, which is 100% uh, made from Sagrantino grapes from Montefalco, for example, is very famous. Or uh, its uh, little brother, the Rosso di Montefalco DOC, which is a blend which is made by 65 from 65 to 70% Sangiovese which is the most produced uh, grape red grape uh, in, in all over the country of Italy from from 15 to 20% of Sagrantino and the remaining part can be with some uh, other grapes like Merlot, Cabernet, Petit Verdot, Barbera, some other grapes which are produced here in, in, in Umbria. So about red wines Umbria is solid and very strong. But about white wines we have an autochthonous grape called Grechetto, which has a peculiarity of having the ending flavor a bit uh, almond, so a bit bitter, I would say. It's strong also. You can have a glass of Grechetto, which is 14 or 15% uh, alcohol, but it's really nothing that enjoyable. I mean, we are weak about white grapes. Not forgetting Orvieto. Orvieto, of course, is... Uh... Orvieto Doc is very famous. They, the people in Orvieto are very good in exporting it, but they use um, international grapes. Um, so... Yes, it's Umbrian, but <laughs> it's not made with the autochthonous grapes uh, from, from the land. So, okay, it's very international. Of course, they use Chardonnay. So everybody recognized this uh, international, like, oh, very nice flavor <laughs> of Chardonnay. Also, also Procanico and Grechetto. Yes, exactly. I, I love Orvieto, so I'm going to defend it. <laughs> no, no, me too. I, I love it too. I love it too. Just I don't feel it as a real um, autochthonous from, from Umbria. So, of course, there are wonderful uh, producers of of uh, Orvieto DOC and also the, the town of Orvieto. We say that uh, it's the magic town of Umbria. <laughs> it's really wonderful and amazing. It is. Uh, but 
but we really mean, we, we miss it something like, okay, when some wine lover comes to Umbria and say, okay, I want to try something really special and white, uh, mm, what should we offer? <laughs> but since 20 years, I started to find here and there some bottles of Trebbiano Spoletino. And I was like, hmm, what is that? And believe me, I will never forget the first glass I had of Trebbiano Spoletino. That was something that made me, oh my God, made me shake. This is something unbelievable. And more and more I was discovering this, this grape and the wines made by this grape. I really thought, okay, now we talk. Now we have a real potential ambassador of white wines from Umbria. This is going to be a solid, uh, this is going to be really a solid uh, protagonist of wines in Umbria. Of course, uh, the battle is difficult because the red wines are very famous and established. But now, after 20 years of this rediscover of Trebbiano Spoletino, there are enough producers, there are enough bottles uh, that really can make this uh, as, a, as a real potential ambassador. So um, my idea was, okay, let's write a book uh, to promote this <laughs> this incredible grape, I, I don't produce wines. I only drink. <laughs> I only drink them, and <laughs> and I drink a lot of them. <laughs> but really, I thought, okay, this grape, this wine, this DOC appellation, which is very little, they deserve a book. They deserve to be uh, spread around. So I made the Italian version of the book and also the English version. And now I'm working also on other languages, on other translations. Wow, that's amazing. And, I, you know, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Trebbiano Spolettino is, is still very not known outside of the area, outside of Italy, certainly. It's a grape I love. I've sampled only a handful of different producers, but it, but it has an extraordinary character. And I, I agree, it is worthy of a book. And I think it's also interesting that also, as you said, Paolo, it's a rediscovery. This is an ancient grape variety. It's not related to any other Trebbiano. Yet 20 years ago, it was barely known. And in this last 20 years, and it's part of the story of Italy, how ancient varieties and, and areas can suddenly be reborn again. And I'm sure your book will help to spread that message because it is such an interesting and characterful grape. Coming back to America, when Italy International Academy, the ultimate Italian wine qualification will be held in New York City from 4 to 6 March 2024. Have you got what it takes to become the next Italian wine ambassador? Find out at vinitaly.com. Tell us about Trebbiano Spoletino and about, perhaps let's talk about the wine more than about the grape. Tell us about the different styles of wine made from Trebbiano Spoletino and why you like them so much. Because there's a vast range of wines from Trebbiano Spoletino, isn't there? Absolutely, absolutely. What made me also fell in love with Trebbiano Spoletino is the, is the thing that this uh, grape has a strong versatility. So it has a very solid acid base, which is just perfect to make sparkling wines. And there are many producers that produce Trebbiano Spoletino uh, Spumante, so sparkling, uh, with different methods, like Metodo Classico, of course, uh, but also with uh, uh, Charmat or with Ancestral Method, with uh, re-fermentation in bottle. Uh, without fil filtration. And uh, okay. I have to say that all of them are just uh, 
wonderful and, and just perfect for a, any happening, any, any, anything you need to celebrate, just open a bottle of Trebbiano Spoletino sparkling, no matter which producer. And oh my God, all of them, they are just incredible, incredible. That's a new one on me. I've not had a Trebbiano Spoletino spumante. Ah, not, not yet. yet. No, <laughs> <laughs> not yet. And also the skins, um, the grape uh, uh, is very strong because, of course, this grape has been forgotten because uh, when the mechanical harvesting started, uh, Trebbiano Spoletino was really almost dismissed because Trebbiano Spoletino instantly was growing uh, around the plants. So not like in lines, like modern uh, uh, agriculture, but it was growing around the plants. So you had to harvest manually with the big ladder. So when in the 60s, when the mechanical production started, this was like, ah, oh, too, too difficult to collect. Okay, let's focus on some other grapes. But uh, so the, the, the skin is very strong. So when you make also a macerated uh, Trebbiano Spoletino, uh, so the juice is in contact with the skins after after pressure, then you have a wonderful orange wine, wow. which is a wine perfect okay. for meditation. Or And it's really, you have flavors really, which are, are really incredible. You have like honey, but it, the wine wasn't in contact with, with, with wood, with barrique, only with steel. So this is a, these flavors are in the grape of Trebbiano Spoletino. Or also, uh, you have really a lot of versatility. You have also the Passito version, which is also very, very enjoyable. Uh, or the classic, the, the traditional Trebbiano Spoletino, uh, which uh, is different from producer to producer. It's really, you, you have to <laughs> discover all of them. And um, another very incredible peculiarity of this uh, wine, of the grape and of this wine, of course, is the aging Trebbiano Spoletino is working like a red wine, so it's aging for very long. I had personally a possibility to taste a, a bottle of Trebbiano Spoletino from 64 years ago, and the wine was still alive. Oh my goodness. It was still alive. Which wow. in, in white wines, Incredible. normally after 10, 20 years maximum, the, the wines became vinegar, <laughs> no more drinkable. Yeah. This was orange. The color changed, of course. It, it was really amber, dark amber, but still alive. Uh, the light was reflecting on the surface of the wine. The wine was still enjoyable. And this is incredible. This shows how, how we still have to rediscover this grape. And uh, also, one, one thing that I always, uh, when somebody asks me, uh, okay, what should I expect from Trebbiano Spoletino? <laughs> I always say, okay, when you, when you smell it, you will feel a lot of tropical fruits. Ananas, mango, papaya. Yes, I, I recall that. Yes. So, so you will expect that your brain immediately goes with something like, oh my God, this is going to be very fruity and sweet. Oh, Geburstraminer. Oh my God, I will drink one glass and then, uh, no, I will change it. But when you drink it, you are totally surprised because the minerality is so intense. It's like, we say it's like, uh, a punch in the face <laughs> because it's something unexpected. And then in the palate, even young bottles of Trebbiano Spoletino are evolutive in your palate. So the, the, the beginning of the, the taste, uh, you feel some fruits, some flowers, and then you feel a lot more at the end. And it's really, wow, a, a journey in, into Umbria. It's a postcard of Umbria. You, you feel the sun, you feel the fresh air, you, you, fish, you feel all the grass, you feel the mountains. It, it's really 
it's really a good ambassador of, of, of Umbria. <laughs> well, you've described it absolutely wonderfully. Uh, I, I agree from the examples I've tasted. You've described those, some of those sensations and, you know, the concentration and those tropical fruit notes in a, in a powerful white wine, a white wine that's almost like a red wine uh, in its concentration and and power. A white wine you don't want to drink too chilled, I would say. Would you agree? Exactly, exactly. Especially the orange uh, version, so the macerated version, you you can drink it, um, just just keep the bottle um, uh, in, where, where you stir, where you store bottles, not, not in the fridge, for example. I, I would drink it 16, 18 degrees, yeah, and it's yeah. wonderful. It's really <laughs> each glass, uh, each taste will last very long, uh, and, and not in a way that bothers you. Just in a way that when you see the glass that is empty, oh my god, <laughs> I want one more. <laughs> <laughs> now, Paolo Trebbiano Spolettino, I'm sure you would agree, is very much a wine to enjoy with food. As you say, in Italy, wine and food always are enjoyed together. So this is a good opportunity to turn to the gastronomy of Spoleto. When our listeners knock on your door and come to visit you, and when I come to visit you, what would you be saying if you're here in Spoleto, you must eat this? What are the piatti tipici that are really most important to enjoy with Trebbiano Spoletino or else perhaps with a glass of that Montefalco Sagrantino? Mm-hmm. Okay, the best partner for Trebbiano Spoletino is black truffle. Okay. And in Spoleto and Norcia, so the southern part uh, and the eastern part of Umbria, we have uh, very famous black truffles. And uh, according to the season, we can have uh, the summer truffle, uh, which is less flavored, but you, you just need to put a, a bit more of it. <laughs> then in November, we have the Uncinato, which is, uh, let's say, middle, middle quality. And in January, uh, we have the Tartufo Nero Pregiato, which is the, the most uh, expensive and the most flavored black truffle. So Trebbiano Spoletino is really the best partner uh, for truffles. And how do we eat truffles here? We eat truffles um, as a starter, so with a bruschetta, so which is a, a slice of bread roasted, and then we grate on it uh, black truffle, so bruschetta al tartufo, or uh, um, strapazzata al tartufo, which is uh, basically a omelette uh, with black truffles. Uh, which is also delicious because truffles also goes very, very well with eggs. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's really a wonderful, a wonderful starter. And uh, also with pasta. And we have a local pasta from Spoleto called Strangozzi, which are like, uh, let's say, between spaghetti and tagliatelle as a shape. So it's a long pasta, homemade, and it's made only with flour and water. So no eggs. So it's a fresh pasta that cannot last long. You cannot make today and cook it tomorrow because then when you cook it it will just uh, melt in the water so you, you must make it quick and eat it and on top after you grate black truffles a little bit of extra virgin olive oil and wow <laughs> and uh, a glass uh, if you have glasses which are 75 centiliters otherwise I would say a bottle of Trebbiano Spoletino <laughs> <laughs> pa- Paolo it's January as we're speaking are you enjoying the Tartufo Nero Pregiato at this time? Absolutely actually <laughs> today uh, I will have um, Strangozzi with black truffles <laughs> because some relatives uh, uh, 
which uh, collect truffles and we do with dogs here in Italy, not with the pigs like in France. Okay. And the reason is very simple why we use dogs because these animals are addicted to truffles and try to stop a little dog from eating a truffle or try to stop a huge giant pig to eat a truffle. So it just makes sense to use dogs, <laughs> tiny little dogs. And I, I, we have, I have, we have um, relatives that collect truffles. So they brought some of this uh, uh, special variety of black truffles. The difference is it's also in the color. So the summer truffle outside, they are all black. But the summer truffle, when you open inside, is mostly gray. The uncinato, this uh, middle variety available in November, is brown. And the tartufo pregiato di Norcia is black outside and black inside. And you really need just a little bit because it's super flavored okay. and delicious. <laughs> and you'll grate that on the pasta with some olio extravergine, the new oil, I guess, now. Yes, exactly, exactly. There is a big celebration around October and November, is called the frantoi aperti. Frantoi are the meals where olive uh, oil are, okay. where the olives are squeezed and they are open to public. So you can go there. Actually, I'm, I went there this year with my kids and uh, the, the, the big one is big enough. Uh, it's three years old. So he enjoyed a lot, uh, all the noise, but all the smell and all the people celebrating when the new olive oil is going. We always uh, celebrate with a glass of red wine. And also there, there are people making bruschetta. So the old uh, grandma, they are roasting the bread and then we try immediately the olive oil. It's, ah, that's a wonderful happening. A wonderful. Wonderful celebration. Wonderful. What are some of your other favorite dishes that our visitors, our listeners should try when they're in Spoleto? Well, the area is also famous for the meat. The reason why the meat here is so good uh, is because we have a regional law that uh, uh, forbid the animals to be stored in cages. If you produce, uh, if you have animals for meat uh, or for cold cuts or salami or whatever, they must be free. Norcia is very famous for sonumi, isn't it? Yes, exactly. The word, uh, the Italian word norcinerie, which is the generic word for all the cold cuts, uh, comes from the name of Norcia. Because historically, since the Roman times, uh, the um, uh, butchers of uh, Norcia, they were, they had the best recipes, the best way to produce salami and prosciutto, hemp. So, and still now, <laughs> the prosciutto di Norcia is a very good partner for Sagrantino or Rosso di Montefalco, for example. And the people that come in this part of Umbria, uh, I really suggest to try our meat. We have um, um, uh, meat from, from cow, <laughs> uh, which is called tagliata, and basically it's cooked and sliced, and it's very tender, very, very, very delicious. Uh, it, the, the variety of cows that we have here is the same, uh, it's called Chianina, and it's the same uh, variety um, where in Tuscany they make Fiorentina. Also Fiorentina is um, accessible here in Umbria, it just costs the half, uh -huh. <laughs> because Tuscan <laughs> people are more marketing, let's say, <laughs> than Umbrians. <laughs> you know, Umbria and Tuscany, we are so similar. We, we are like brothers. We love each other and we challenge each other. So. <laughs> okay, so, so I can imagine that uh, that Chianina cooked over a wood fire with a glass of uh, perhaps with the Rosso di Montefalco yes, or, yes. or the Sagrantino, but maybe the Rosso would be uh, really splendid. Yes. And cinghiale, wild boar, I imagine that too is yes. a dish you enjoy at this time of year. Yes. Okay. And the wild boar, we always pair it with the Sagrantino, 100%. 
Sagrettino, uh, being the most tannic wine in the world, is very heavy. It's uh, something quite difficult to pair. So you can pair it with uh, some seasoned cheese, like pecorino cheese, mm-hmm. or with wild boar. So you just mentioned exactly one of the best partners <laughs> for Sagrantino. And I suggest people that come in Umbria f- to discover the wines um, to go to the vineyards. Uh, because most of the vineyards now produce Trebbiano Spoletino and Sagrantino. So uh, also in, in Montefalco, not only Spoleto, the producers are making both, both, both wines. So it's a beautiful journey. You can start with Trebbiano Spoletino and then go with Rosso di Montefalco and then go with Sagrantino and end with Sagrantino Passito. Or even coming back to Trebbiano Spoletino Passito, <laughs> which is always solid enough and strong enough to go even after, after red wines. Because we are talking about, uh, okay, it's a white wine, but it's very creamy and it's uh, 17, 18% alcohol. So very solid. So this Passito di Trebbiano Spoletino, tell me a little bit about that. And maybe is there a typical Umbrian dessert or pastry that you would have with the Passito? I know the Passito di Montefalco, uh, the Sagrantino Passito, has that beautiful blackberries and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the strong, it's still the strong tannin and it never tastes too sweet. Yes. Magnificent dessert wine. But tell us about the Passito di Trebbiano Spoletino. So basically, uh, when there is a harvest, part of the grapes are stored on some metal nets horizontally for a couple of months, three months. So all the water is uh, like going away and you have a very concentrated juice when, you, when they are squeezed. So the production is very limited. Very few producers make uh, Trebbiano Spoletino Passito, but then you start to feel... I, I have this memory of all the mm, Passito versions I tried from different producers of this honey, which is not predominant, is behind, uh, but gives this sense of sweetness, uh, not too much, so it's very elegant. And uh, it's very well combined with um, a traditional uh, carnival cake from Spoleto called Crescionda. Crescionda is a poor, uh, is part of the cucina povera, of the poor cuisine, uh, the poor recipes. Um, so it has uh, 200 uh, grams of amaretti biscuits, which are blended, only 50 grams of sugar, four eggs, uh, half a liter of milk, and half, and 50 grams of flour. And uh, so it's also this cake is not very sweet because the main flavor is the uh, the amaretti biscuits, which are a little bit uh, almond. And um, these cakes, all this um, all the this dough, let's say, cooks slowly in the oven. So all the different parts, uh, the eggs, the milk, separate like olive oil and water. And uh, you have like stripes. It's, it's called the magic cake because when you cut it, it, it's in stripes and it's a perfect partner for Trebbiano Spoletino. Also, this cake is not famous uh, in the rest of Italy. So it's also one more reason to come to Umbria and discover it. Well, Paolo, thank you very much for that detailed description, um, which makes me want to, another reason to come visit you in Spoleto. <laughs> uh, you've, you've really given us a great overview of Spoleto, of Umbria, and above all, of the wonderful wines that we will encounter and enjoy. So I hope our listeners will be inspired by your words to discover the green heart of Italy, Umbria, and to make their way to Spoleto. 
Paolo, I'm looking forward to visiting you. I hope you'll come visit us in Devon as well. But in the meantime, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been a real pleasure. And I hope you enjoy that uh, Strangozzi con Tartufi later on today, which sounds wonderful. <laughs> thank you very, very much. And we always have wines, truffles, olive oil, cold cuts, meat ready for you. <laughs> You're welcome here anytime. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Okay, well, I hope to see you soon. But in the meantime, grazie e buona giornata. With pleasure. Thank you. Grazie, grazie. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin. <laughs>